Welcome to United Talk, where we talk Atlanta United. I'm Jackson Popkin, joined by Kyle Soto in the UGA Journalism Building once again. So we can now bless your ears with some much better audio quality than Zoom provides. Um, yeah, coming off of a 2-1 win over Charlotte, looking forward to Saturday's match with Club de Foot Montreal. Um, yeah, in terms of entertainment value, Atlanta United is pulling through for their home matches. Uh, the past two home games have just been absolute roller coasters. Um, just fantastic value for entertainment. So, yeah, just to recap uh, last Sunday's match with Charlotte. LA United started off, as we expected, on the front foot, really controlling possession, firing crosses like every few minutes. I, At some point I put out a tweet that was like, um, what's the over-under on crosses? And I put like 30 over-under. Didn't quite get that high, uh, but I feel like by halftime, it was like 15 crosses from Atlanta United. And, yeah, by the end of the 17, still a lot. Um, but, yeah, really starting off the game, Atlanta United in control, as we expected, yet could not convert any chances. Um, just looking at the five-minute intervals of the statistics, the first half is just all red. Like there was someone's 88%, 90% possession. Um, just domination. That wasn't really reflected in the scoreline. So it took until the second half when Brooks Lennon running into the box brought down, uh, pushed from behind. Upon looking at the replay, maybe a little soft. Yeah, but I mean, he might have sold it a little bit, but there was there was a shove in the back, so you got to yeah, do what you got to do. Yeah, it's a, a penalty is a penalty, like mm -hmm. no matter how hard it is. And Joseph Martinez uh, finishes it, his first goal of the year, uh, his 90th regular season goal for Atlanta United. And, um, yeah, felt really deserved after the play. But then from there, uh, Atlanta United kind of took their foot off the brakes. Um, Charlotte scoring on a corner kick in the 66th minute. Uh, whipped in from Ben Bender, who I saw in the lineup, and I was like, that guy's got a cool name. That means he's going to be impactful in some way. And it turns out he was. I think he earned man of the match on FootMob with like an 8.6 rating. Uh, but, yeah, so that corner kick, Charlotte's first ever goal in Major League Soccer play. And we got to experience that. We got to experience that from right above the away section. Yeah, the uh, the celebrations were not tame at all. Like, you could definitely tell they were just waiting to, like, celebrate their first goal in the club's history. And there was a lot of beer thrown over the railings uh, into the other United fan section. So. And above our heads in the press box, just yeah. things were flying, like, in our faces. And we are just like, what is yeah. happening? I don't think I've ever seen an away section, like, react like that to a goal. Which, I mean, you only score one first goal in your club's history, so I guess it makes sense. But Yeah, I remember seeing, I think uh, Chris Smith took a video of the away section from the from his field level spot. And uh, it, it, sh it shows the press box in it, and you can see everyone in there just standing up and just peering over the edge. Really? To see what kind of chaos. I actually haven't seen that video. I need to go it's find a, that. It's, <laughs> it's a very fun watch. Um so, yeah, beer, popcorn, things flying everywhere. Um, rumors of a smoke bomb, too. Smoke I didn't bomb. see it, but mm. I've heard people talking about it just on the Internet. Yeah. Um, and there, there was also, like, a little uh, little skirmish between the Charlotte section and the, like, United fan section, like, right next to them. And Sam Jones was talking about this on Five Stripe Final, but he was saying, like, 
these high schoolers were like beefing <laughs> with like this entire group of supporters and they were they were holding their own so that's um respect yeah that's pretty Nothing funny but respect uh so yeah, Atlanta yeah, taking their foot off the gas a little bit. Charlotte working their way back in in the second half, uh, looking to earn their first point in club history. But then, super subs Marcelino Moreno, Jake Mulraney come on, and in the ninety sixth minute, can we just talk about this ball from Marcelino Moreno? Like that was the most gorgeous pass I think I've ever seen in my life. Just no, like I agree, definitely. That honestly, like more than Jake Mulraney scoring it like when that was pretty good too he had to cut in beat christian fuchs and uh score I, like deflection mm-hmm. you can say is lucky um but that pass yeah like from in his own half i'm pretty sure just perfectly weighted uh perfectly leads Moraney in and he just takes it from there does the rest and yeah the bends exploded it was a beautiful moment yeah, from from our view, we were basically like right, not like right behind Marcelino Moreno, but you know, situated in the press box, we could basically see like the flight of the ball, and just the way it like floated up, kind of curled a little bit, yeah. and then like came back down, and it like Fuchs like got kind of sucked into it, and then he realized, oh shoot, I can't get this, <laughs> so he starts running back trying to cover Jake Moreno, and then you know, yeah, obviously Moraney's he scores a little, little too fast for that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Another victory for Atlanta United coming back after that uh, poor result in Colorado. So back on the right track uh, looking into this weekend. And another thing back uh, going a little better for Atlanta United is the injury report, the injury list um, starting to lighten up for Atlanta United. We're getting more of a sense of um, this full roster, what this roster is really capable of. Uh, we saw uh, Ozzy Alonso back in the 11. We saw... Tiago Almada, not in, not injury report, but just getting his visas all worked out. He joined. He made his debut um, to great applause from the fans, and then from there, kind of uh, vanished, shall we say? Yeah, it was um, not not his best performance, but I mean, not, it was his only performance really, but for right. Atlanta. But and I'm sure he has. He only had like what like one or two training sessions mm-hmm. before the game. Yeah. So you really can't blame him for being a little unfamiliar with the whole setup that um, Gonzalo Pineda's had for him. But yeah, and especially, like, the game, just the way it was panning out when they came on, like, when Almada and Moreno came on. They, I think they came on in, like, the 56th minute or something yeah. like that. So, I mean, obviously Gonzalo Pineda felt that Atlanta wasn't playing well. That's why he made those early subs in, in the second half. So it's kind of... You know, like you said, you can't really expect too much out of him in this in his first real performance in his first real game for Atlanta. Obviously, he's a big talent. He's, it's a long term thing, so he's got to see how it continues to pan out. Uh, do you think he's going to start tomorrow? I'm not so sure about that. I feel like if we haven't even seen Marcelino Moreno start, I feel like it's a little too early for um, Tiago Almada. And there's really not much I feel like at stake here with Montreal. We'll get into Montreal preview in a little bit. Um, but I think that the team that Gonzalo, uh, yeah, Gonzalo Pineda put out there on Sunday created chances. There was threat. There were threats in attack. They were threatening an attack, and um, just really in the amount of crosses sent in, the amount of chances created. Andrew Gutman, uh, Brooks Lennon, uh, and the homegrowns still holding their own. Uh, Tyler Wolf at left wing. Um, I don't know if. It's enough to really take him out and put Almada in his place. 
that time will come, I'm sure. But for now, I think you can continue to work him in. And I think he brought that up in the post-game presser after the match, um, really working the, his more, his reinforcements into the lineup, uh, giving them their be- the best setup for success, I think is the way you put it. Um, and so I don't think he'll start. I think we could see Moreno make his full return. Um, also in the presser, a question was asked on that, and he said that Moreno was capable of like 60 to 70 minutes, but um, at that stage of his fitness, he that Pineda wanted him in there um, to have more energy towards the end of the game where he could be more impactful, which worked. He was. Got an assist, game-winning assist uh, late on, and really helped the team in that sense that maybe he wouldn't have done as much if he had started in, in gassed at that stage. Yeah, tired legs are... And it's why depth is so important, honestly, because like when you can bring Jake Mulraney on and Marcelino Moreno on, those guys are... I mean, they were game changers in this game, and, you know, Moreno can start. Obviously, he will probably will be a starter in the future and in, in the season, but Jake Moraney, I'm not so sure. So it's, for him, it's like, I mean, he said in the in the presser, like, he doesn't want to be, like, the super sub guy. He wants to be starting. I mean, every player does, but from the team perspective, it's just always a really good, it's a good thing for the team when you can bring on, like, a dynamic, quick, rapid guy like Jake Moraney. So it paid off, it paid off against Charlotte. So Yeah, another player... Uh, whose performance improved from the previous week. Joseph Martinez getting on the score sheet. Um, and he had plenty of other opportunities to do it too. Um, but Charlotte's keeper, Kalina, um, just standing on his head, just some incredible saves just real, that were just honestly unbelievable. That one late in like the uh, last 10 minutes of the game mm-hmm. or so, a potential winner for Joseph. Um, just an incredible save. Uh, great performance for him overall. And uh, it was funny afterwards, Joseph went straight up to him, and he was the the jersey swap, uh, and he was just wearing that around. I was like, I remember looking at the TV, and I was like, why is he wearing pink? Oh, he got, and like, I love that respect from him, because like, even on that incredible save that at the moment could have cost Atlanta United two points, um, all you could do was laugh. Yeah, that that was a really good. I I don't think I've ever seen. Well, maybe that might be a stretch, but I I haven't seen a good performance like that from a goalkeeper in a in a long time. That was he was making some incredible saves. So, you know, it's a good performance when Joseph is showing him respect <laughs> like that. If Joseph thinks this is a good performance from the goalkeeper, then it probably is. So, yeah, switching to the goalkeeper at the other end of the field, Brad Gazan, um, was a little quiet in the first half. But at the end of the first half, stepping up huge, uh, to make some. Massive saves. I remember looking at the um, expected goals at halftime, and Charlotte had, I think, two chances and just completely leapfrogged Atlanta United's total expected goals for the first half. Um, and so if not for Guzan's saves, uh, back-to-back saves like within the last five minutes of the first half, uh, it could have been a very different game, very different uh, talk going into the halftime, very different uh, yeah, response in the second half. However, giving up Charlotte's first goal on that corner kick, um, I mean, it was well-placed, I guess, but he... I mean, he got a hand on it. On he could have saved... He probably could have tipped it around the around the post or something. Yeah, on a, on a better day, maybe like a millisecond better of a reaction, he could have gotten to that. And, like, ultimately, Atlanta still got the win, and, he's, and Guzan still made some key, pretty key saves in the game. 
Yeah, that one thing for Atlanta this season, though, is they don't have a clean sheet yet. They haven't gotten a clean sheet yet. So that's something that I think they'll need to work on. I mean, obviously, like the Col- I didn't see the Colorado game, but that was just mm-hmm. a blowout, yeah. 3-0. This game, it, I mean, you go up 1-0, they, they equalize, and you go up 2-1, but I feel like at a certain point you got to start getting clean sheets, just making sure that you're locking it down at the back. Right. And I feel like Atlanta United's defensive performances haven't been bad, mm-hmm. per se. I mean, may, Colorado game, like, notwithstanding. Like, the home defensive performances. Kansas City, the defense felt pretty in control there. Um, it's just the set pieces mm-hmm. that just keep coming yeah. back to haunt. Specifically corners, it's yeah, it's always a weird the season. Weird is, deal with that. Yeah, the the home games both both goals have been conceded from corners. So, and Gonzalo Pineda even acknowledged he said like yeah, set pieces are an issue for us right now. So, those are just like two different trends that you know we could probably just keep an eye on throughout the season: clean sheets and defending set pieces. So, yeah. And so the final question of last week's match: Is it a rivalry? I know some some people are just going to skip past this part probably, but I don't blame them because the word rivalry is triggering to me right now just because <laughs> MLS just shoves it down our throats every right. time. It's every time. Um, but, yeah. I mean, what do you think about the, the rivalry, quote-unquote? Yeah, I mean, I'm still of the same opinion. I guess I was before the game. Um, it just it takes time. It's just, like, being in – the same conference helps. It's not like Nashville moving to the West. Uh, nothing will really impact each other's uh, seasons and results um, in, a, in any big way, mm-hmm. uh, most likely. And for Charlotte, it's just more of a location thing. I mean, I know Charlotte is kind of wanting it. Um, but, yeah, it really just comes from game performances. And I feel like this game wasn't... Like, there's no big controversy. Um, it, I don't think it, it's, to me, this relationship, Atlanta-Charlotte, is just trending more towards being a, a friendly, like, neighbor visit. I mean, it's sort of like what Nashville's Yeah, kind about. of a Nashville vibe. And, like, I loved, like, their away fan support. And, like, I'm pretty sure, like, they stopped by the tailgate, or at least some of the, some of the Charlotte fans did. I saw, and um, yeah, like that's how I would prefer it to be. Mm-hmm. It's just a friendly, like neighbor. Like we can both enjoy the sport together. We have our teams, but um, before and after the ninety minutes, friends off the field, enemies on it. Um, and yeah, I think that's the way it should be. Yeah, I might go. On, okay, this might be a bit of a tangent, but I'm gonna go do it, it anyways. Go for it. So, like, obviously, MLS is a younger league. It's like what twenty six, twenty seven years old now, and I get what, you know, they want to be like a global brand, quote unquote, like a global league. But you have to like just let the rivalries like happen naturally. Like when you when you look at teams in Europe or anywhere around the world where like they have a lot more history, it's like you can just feel the passion sometimes and like it feels like a lot more genuine. And in MLS, it just they're just trying to force it like every local team or, you know, relatively local for Atlanta. So like Nashville, Charlotte, Orlando, it's like. They're not all rivals. Like they haven't even they haven't even been playing each other that long. So I don't know. I, I think MLS needs to like kind of just chill with the rivalry thing. Like I, I understand there's like a rivalry week, but like for Atlanta, I think New York Red Bulls is probably one of the one of their biggest genuine rivals. 
mm-hmm. just because of the history between the two teams, how it gets kind of chippy every time they play, you know, the contrasting styles, like just, you know, the the playoff run in 2018. So I think when a, when a rivalry is born from, like, those sort of circumstances, it just feels like a lot more genuine. So that's just my, I don't know, that the, the rivalry thing gets me kind of heated, I'm not going to lie. It's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, like, it was kind of reflected in the TIFO mm-hmm. from Sunday. Um, yeah, it felt kind of, it to felt me it felt kind of forced, that like one. It didn't the, even make, The uh, whole the trophies you don't have. I mean, I'm sure a lot of hard work got put into the TIFO. I'm yeah. not trying to, like, rip into it or anything, but, mm-hmm. like, the message of um, you don't have these trophies. We do. They didn't really have the chance to earn the trophies. Yeah. So it felt kind of. It was, like, their third game. It was their third <laughs> game in their <laughs> entire history. So, um, of course, so they like, don't have I, the trophies. I see, I see where the flex is coming from. It's just. I guess not presented as well as it could have been. Mm-hmm. If it were like Orlando or Nashville or something, yeah. it'd make more sense. But you know, got even the chance to go through the season. You know, that's just my take. But like you said, not trying to crap on the of on course, the TFO and whoever yeah. made it. But yeah, unless you make the TFOs, don't rip on the TFO. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Um, so yeah, another news before we get into the preview of this weekend: Miles Robinson earning a national team call up for the final window as the U.S. men's national team looks to secure World Cup qualification. Um, he should still be available for this weekend's match, I'd imagine, um, and then head out to Houston f- where the team's meeting up afterwards. Uh, and a former Atlanta United player, George Bello, uh, just called up today to replace the injured Serginio Dest, uh, who pulled a hamstring, I think, in his last match with Barcelona. So cool to see Atlanta United being represented in the biggest uh, international window that the U.S. has had in a while. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, hopefully some good performances from them. And we can finally watch a U.S. men's national team World Cup game this year. That would be fun. That, that would be great. What that's like. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't even remember. It's been so long. So moving into tomorrow's match with Montreal, um, we've got a guest joining us, Savvy, from the Balls Round podcast, Montreal. Um, he was really great to talk with him, get a bit of insight into Montreal with their recent um, start to the season, uh, not being as great in Major League Soccer, but making their run to the quarterfinals in the CONCACAF Champions League before recently um being knocked out by Cruz Azul in a very close and hard-fought match. So, um, yeah, enjoy. So we're now joined by Savi from the Ball is Round podcast covering all things Club de Foot Montreal. Um, Savi, thanks for joining us. Uh, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm happy for to be joining you guys. It's always cool, these collabs between the, the cities and the pods, so I'm happy, man. Yeah, it's awesome to kind of have more interaction with other fans, other people associated with their clubs um, and teams around the league is one of the really cool things about um, yeah. yeah doing podcasts and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, earlier this week, uh, Montreal in the Champions League, just not not even that long ago, is not even two days ago at this point. Um, obviously, we didn't get the chance to like really um, tune into that focus more on Atlanta, but how much effort was put in? I know y'all kept it very close with um, Cruz Azul. So was that, was a lot of effort put into those performances um, in terms of like first team players and um, stuff like that? And will that affect their uh, lineup come Saturday? 
Well, for sure it will, because a problem that has been a chronic problem in Montreal for years is depth. So uh, every time we go into these cup competitions, plus the season, we, we really dig deep into our depth, which is, which is very, very short, you know. So um, and that game against Cruz Azul was a very tough one. You know, you saw that the players really laid it out. They, they gave it their all and they were they were they were dead after the game. It was a tough one, man. And, uh, you know, since the start of the year, we've been traveling a lot. We've been going, playing in altitude in Mexico, coming back to Montreal. Now it's freezing out here. It's still really cold. So it's a lot of changes and um, going to the States for games in Orlando. And um, so, I mean, it, it's going to be a really, really tough one to come to Mercedes-Benz uh, to play against you guys because uh, Wilfred Nassi uh, pretty much rolled a very, very similar lineup in all of these games. So um, I expect the players to have... You know, I expect you guys to have the edge physically, but you know, one thing I did like against Cruz Azul is you saw something that you didn't see a lot against um, since the start of the year is that the team really dig, dug deeper than they usually do. And it was a, a tough the grind performance. They grinded it out. Didn't work at the end, but um, if they can bring this to Atlanta, it's going to be good. Man. But physically, definitely, you guys will have the edge for sure, man. Right. Do you foresee a lot of rotation uh, with the team, well, with Nancy put, um, you think, some more reserve players in, get more minutes for them against Atlanta, or will he keep trying with the first-team players? Um, where you might see some rotation is in defense because we have a pretty deep center back line. So we usually play, play a system with three center backs and wing backs, uh, and the three center backs are, you know, there's a lot of rotation in them because all – I say five of them are are very competent. They're MLS level players. They're solid. You know they can play game in game out anytime. So where I would see uh, some some changes might be there. Plus Kamal Miller is most likely um, you know playing injured for 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 a week now. So um, he might be out. You might see Gabriele Corbo. He's a young player from Bologna who's on loan. Might see Joel Waterman too, a player we went to get in the um, in the Canadian Premier League, who really grew. Is 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 really grew into a good, solid MLS defender. Um, but still, you know, we we desperately need points. I know it's very early in the season, but we're really desperate for points already. So that might might play against the rotation a bit. So I think Wilfred Nasi will be tempted to play his strongest uh, on paper lineup. But the, the danger with that is that these players have a lot of soccer in their legs already very, very early in the season. So it's tough to say because he always comes with surprises, this coach. But um, for sure, uh, up front, going uh, further up the pitch, there won't be much surprises. You'll see Victor Wanyama for sure. You'll see Georgi Mihailovic for sure. You'll see Romel Kyoto for sure. And probably a Kai Kamara too. So it's really the other players that you might see some changes. But still, man, it's... I don't I don't foresee a lot of these changes. Yeah, so obviously you guys are now focusing solely on MLS play out of the Champions League now. Um, it's been a rough start in the league, obviously 0-3. Do you think a lot of that is just because, you know, the Champions League was such a big part of, you know, early in the season? Or what are you seeing on the field that may contribute to, you know, Montreal not picking up points right now? Wow. <laughs> How long do you have, man? <laughs> no, but I mean, look, um, uh, th there's a lot of factors. I think um, I'll go. I'll go quickly into one of them. Um, I think 
we're starting to see the limits of Wilfred Nancy's system because last year when he, he was appointed as a, as a head coach, he came with a very unorthodox system with a lot of different ideas than, than you know, the current in the league, I would say. And it, it took some managers by surprise. You know, you, you could see that we had tactically the upper hand in a lot of games, but as time went on, you know, the, the very strong managers in the league, so they, they kind of adjusted and we didn't change it much yet. So I think that's playing against us a bit, but that's not the only factor at all. You know, our preparation uh, was, was difficult this year because there was still COVID restrictions. We didn't go as long as we would have to, to Florida to practice. So we practice indoor in Montreal on these turf fields and uh, on the Olympic Stadium, which is probably one of the worst like uh, field you can play, man. It's, it's cement. With a little, um, I don't have the word in English. With yeah, a little I uh, rug, like on it. Yeah, and it was all yeah. Like, like squares of exactly, like, like stitched together. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they they practice a lot on it because the idea was to prepare for the Champions League in the start of the season. So for sure, players will practice on on it to to get the feel of it. But it's tough physically. You know, we lost players through injury because of the turf. You know, Mason yeah. Toy got injured in preseason. Um, and Mathieu Chouaniard got injured on the turf too, just a false movement uh, against Philly. These are important players for the team. So this is definitely a factor. And the other factor would be injuries. We lost Sam Piet, um, who's a, lost a bit of his, his, um, you know, his importance in the club with Wilfred Nassi in the starting 11-wise, but still a very, very big part of this team. You know, he, he's really important when he comes on as, as a sub when we're winning or he's part of the rotation. He's a very solid player. And uh, we lost Ahmed Hamdou, who's a young Egyptian uh, that we put a lot of faith in and he had a good first season in Montreal, definitely would have been in the starting 11 for most of the games. And he got injured in preseason in Florida. So that's not the turf uh, this time, but uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of injuries. And so it's, there's a lot of factors, but um, I, I, most Montreal fans with a little, you know, a drop of pessimism, pessimism in them would have said that it, it was predictable what would happen this year. Mm. And so going into like the last week's game with uh, New York City, would you say like those were the factors that played a role in that uh, defeat uh, in New York? Uh, yeah. I, also so, like combined with the Champions League. Game? Yeah, 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 definitely. You know, the pitch in New York is yeah <laughs> what it is. eh? And, um, you know, playing every three days, Wilfred Nassi didn't really have a, a spare system in my mind uh, in his pocket so I i'm pretty sure that if we had a, a week or two weeks to prepare for new york city we would have, have went out there with you know five at the back with the wing backs and because this is a system that we love we like to use in, on pitches like you guys have at the bends which is a huge pitch like that's a put in montreal a huge pitch but when you get on the on that baseball field man it's it's tough to use that that width that's that the, the whole idea of the system is is based on. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a factor. But, um, you know, the fact that we can't rotate mostly up front is hurting us very, very much because, you know, we have a, a young player we got from Argentina named uh, Joaquin Torres. He had a good start to his career in MLS and kind of faded. And I have the feeling that now he's playing maybe a bit too much and not contributing as much as he should 
probably because he, he that's a, he's playing too much and and there's not a clear role for him he's trying to play like out and out second striker or winger that cuts in but you know we we not really find a place for him because he's been thrown into it so early because of the injuries so i think that's that's hurting us too so you know depth up front is is definitely a factor and and, and the pitch in new york you know can we can talk about it for for hours man, but it's it's it only advantages one team i think and it's it's new york themselves you know mm. y'all have a few transfers come in this season um i guess uh, one guy a lot of mls um familiar people are people are familiar with in mls uh kai kamara um i know you touched on the depth uh what's his role i know he's getting along in years um that you see him playing a large role with Montreal or more like a late uh late in the game super sub where you're searching for goals okay I can't remember what's funny is that it's been a long time coming for us because it's been like at least five or six years that in Montreal everyone is asking for you know <laughs> just sign camera and sometimes he was a free agent and we just passed on him and every time he would play against some us he would score like two goals and he would dominate physically our defenders um so now I think, you know, it wasn't a panic move because of Mason Toy's injury, but he definitely has a lot of similarities to his game to Mason Toy. So I think that Camara is um, right now is a very important part of the team. He's not he's not scored. He's not he's not done much so far. But um, man, the, last year when our attack had success, it was a profile of, Kai, of uh, Mason Toy complemented by the profile of Romel Kyoto. And because Kai Kamara has a very similar profile to Mason Toy, um, I think it was it was a no-brainer to go get him. So now if they can recreate that 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 you know that chemistry that Toy and, and Kyoto had with Kamara, I think we we can see some good things. So right now he's a very, very important player. And when Mason Toy will come back, you know, he's, he hasn't played since August last year. if I'm not mistaken, August or September. So um for sure, he's not going to come back and play like three games a week, 90 minutes. So it's going to be a long process for him because he had two separate injuries. He was ready to come back, got injured, a different injury uh, in training camp. So um, so Kai Kamara, man, he's, he's one of our, our most important players at the moment. And when Mason Toy will be back 100%, I think he, he could be a great player in rotation, super sub. You know, he he, he himself said that he... He loves that term. He loves when people say he's a super sub because that's how he feels. So uh, it's all good. You know, it's he has a one-year cl- contract with one uh, one option year. So that it was a very low, um, low risk move. And I think even though it didn't pan out uh, so far, it will eventually. So I'm not I'm not worried for Kai Kamara. Yeah, I see a lot of similarities with him and uh our signing of Dom Dwyer. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Oh man, <laughs> Dwyer, he's done, he's done a lot against us, man. I, I, don't, I don't like him too much, but I, I can see the similarities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, another player, I guess, that won't really affect his availability for this game at all, but it's just something I'm personally curious about. Uh, what's the latest on Jordi Mihailovic um, and his like rumors of him moving abroad? Mihailovic. Um, um, insight on that? I don't have much. Listen, um, Malovic, um, what I heard, he, he he had some offers to move to Europe this this mm-hmm. summer, but wasn't too too happy with the offers he had. And you know, he's he's doing well in MLS. Um, Malovic was it was definitely his breakout season last year. So I think the idea for him going into this year was to confirm what he had started. And um, 
oh, it's, it's been a bit of a, a rough run for him at the start of the year because now, you know, people have taken notice of how, how good he is. So he's marked much more closely. People are adjusting their defending, their, their, their movements to, to Mihalovic's game. So it's, it's, it's more difficult for him. But you can see the talent is there. But, you know, Mihalovic, I think what's really missing for him to really get that, that boost so that in Europe they really take notice of him as a call-up from the from the US team. You know, he's he's always like just on the edge, but doesn't get called up. And I think eventually he, he will. That will help uh, his move. But he went to this this summer to um to Bologna for a camp. They really liked him over there. You know, we're we're affiliated with Bologna because our because of our owner, uh, Joey Saputo. But um I, I'm not sure that Bologna is is a good move for him. So uh, and I and I'll be interested to see. I I read something really interesting that Jesse Marsh, now that he's in Leeds, mm-hmm. would like to bring Mialovic over there. That would be a huge jump from MLS to the Premier League. Um, personally, I I'm not sure he's ready for the Premier League. But if Leeds stay up and you know they loan him down to the championship, get get a season or two over there, he definitely can can grow to become one one very very good player. So, I would fancy more a move to England for him, and uh, and maybe not start uh, up there, but you know in the lower divisions with some mm-hmm. loan moves and stuff that that could be cool. But you know I know Montreal want to want to try to 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 sell him at at the best possible price that they can get. So the timing is very important in this situation. Awesome. Uh, I guess just to wrap up, um, do you have any predictions, any thoughts of what you think is going to go down on Saturday? Um, I know last time, I think the last game uh, between Atlanta and Montreal was that sort of uh, chaotic match. There's like multiple red cards. I think yeah. Joseph Martinez got sent off. And Wanyama and Camacho. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, it was yeah, at Sassapuro. <laughs> it was a good game, though. It was a really cool game to watch. It was fun to be there, but I think we were leading two nothing and it finished two two, so it was a bit of a disappointing yeah. game. But uh, but listen, for this one, I don't have high hopes. I think it it would be a massive result if we get a draw. We never even got a point at Mercedes Benz Stadium in our history, mm-hmm. so uh, I think we'll start with a point and uh, and we'll see <laughs> what goes on. But uh, but yeah, you guys are a good team, and I, I like watching you, and I love the stadium. This is. Bucket list, definitely the Benz is, is in there. It looks amazing, man. So uh yeah, I don't I don't fancy our chances too much. So if but I'm always a bit optimistic, so I'll go with a one-one draw. But you know, if if people in Montreal hear me, they'll say that I'm uh, I'm trending towards <laughs> rose glasses with that. <laughs> well, if you want to go ahead and plug anything, you want to plug your Twitter, um, your you know, your coverage, all that stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, listen, don't look for me on Twitter because I have I have a, a Twitter account, but I don't use it. So uh, if if you guys want to follow our work, uh, we it's uh, the ball is run Montreal. We 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 we're live once a week, uh, and we just you know love uh, love football. So and we just want everyone to love it as much as us. So you know it's uh, it's the ball is run. We cover uh, Montreal. We cover the Canadian men national team and the women men uh, women national team. Sorry. Uh, and uh, you can find us at TBIR Montreal. And uh, yeah, man, that's, uh, that's it. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, we're not too, too much on other platforms. So uh, Twitter and you know, every podcast, uh, YouTube and stuff, but that's about it. Man. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks a lot. We really appreciate the insight uh, into Montreal. And um, yeah, really looking forward to this match tomorrow. 
Same, man. So, uh, guys, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. And whenever you want, guys, uh, it's a pleasure, man. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Thank you so okay. much. So, looking forward to this match from LA United's perspective. Uh, Miles Robinson returning from his red card suspension. What will the back line look like with Alan Franco, uh, Miles Robinson, and George Campbell all available to play at center back? Kyle, do you have any uh, in, any thought on uh, how Pineda will run out the defense on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I think Miles, you know, obviously will just step right back into the lineup. Right. Um, obviously, the team's most important center back. I mean, I don't really think George Campbell has done anything wrong to mm-hmm. lose his spot, but I mean, not, someone has to sit. So, I don't know. I just feel like it might. It's Miles and someone. I don't know who. Yeah, but. I know, like, people were really not happy with Alan Franco's performance in the Colorado match. And he sort of redeemed himself last match. Um, He didn't do anything really worthy of any, like, hard scrutiny like he did with the goals in the Colorado match. But this is, like, the first time there's been kind of a conflict with George Campbell um, because he was able to move into the defensive midfield position with Colorado with um, Alonzo sitting in that game. Um, so I'd l- I'd like to see Miles and Campbell because um, I thought that partnership worked really well in the Kansas City game. Um, but to be honest, like we've mentioned it in a previous podcast, but like when you have all these options, there's really no wrong answer. Um, so whatever... Gonzalo Pineda ends up choosing for his center back pairing. Um, I feel like we'll be fine. And with Montreal not looking super threatening, it's not something I guess um, should stress over uh, for this upcoming match. Um, Another player who could be returning, who we didn't see last week, Santiago Sosa. Um, Back in the 18, didn't see the field. Does he fit into the midfield trio now? Um, could we see him join in, I guess, as well as a Marcelino Moreno um, taking the place of the midfield trio that we've seen of Sadik, Alonzo, and uh, who's that too? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of just like, you know, how they play, probably Alonzo and Sosa are the most similar, so mm-hmm. probably won't have both of them in there at the same time. But I also think Alonso has been pretty important just in terms of, you know, his leadership on the field. So, I mean, he, he's probably going to be one of the ones to stay, at least for now. Um, I feel like maybe Sadich will be the one to be taken off just because, I mean, I guess it depends on if Moreno comes back. But Yeah, I can see I can see Moreno starting in place of Amar Sadich for this one. Um, but other than that, I think, yeah, Sosa coming back from injury. Pineda's been taking it slow with his players returning from injury. So, we could see him come off the bench, I feel like. But, yeah, like you said, Alonzo has just really been the centerpiece for this team uh, just in this role at uh, defensive midfield, just driving the team, um, really just managing it from his position, the tempo, the passing, the um, press, just all really comes back to him. And he's been really important, really great at it for this team. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, Alonso will get, like, the maximum minutes that he can. 
um, and what Pineda thinks is the best role for his uh, midfield depth, which is a really good thing to see. Um, I feel like Atlanta is really fortunate in that regard to be as deep as they are in these positions. Yeah, just one more thing on Alonzo. Like when he first, you know, when the first news broke of him coming to Atlanta, a lot of people were just saying, like, you know, he might not play that much. We really don't know how much he's going to play. And so far, he's been pretty crucial. I mean, he's he couldn't play in the Colorado game for like health reasons. But every time he's on the field, he doesn't really set a foot wrong. So it's just like you said, it's nice to know that Atlanta does have the depth, especially with all these early injuries in the season and you know visa issues and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, just good to see him in in the midfield and still able to do a job. So yeah, yeah, good to see um, just so much availability from this team, and we can really hopefully get the um, full potential of the roster that's been built this offseason. Um, and then we have one final thing uh, to look forward to this weekend, an open roof at Mercedes-Benz. Um, should be, I think, upper 60s isn't the forecast. So should be fun to have a open roof game. Um, and, yeah, should be great. Mm-hmm. Just um, bring... Sunglasses, just in case <laughs> yeah, there's just sunlight the, beaming down on you, yeah, or a hat maybe. Yeah, it feels bad for the uh, the TV producers because I'm sure the contrast when the lights uh, shining right on the um, goal in front of the supporters section um, is not fun TV watching. But yeah, um, to wrap up the preview, any score prediction? Um, what? How do you think this match is going to go? Well, you know Montreal's been having trouble scoring. I think. They've only scored two goals this season so far in MLS. They've conceded 10. So it's kind of similar to my mindset for the Charlotte game. You know, I thought Atlanta could afford to throw numbers forward, commit a lot of attackers, take a lot of shots. So, but like I said, the team doesn't have a clean sheet yet. I thought (laughs) they would have a clean sheet against Charlotte. So I'm going to go with 3-1. 3-1? Yeah. That's solid. I I'd agree with, like, the attacking ability, but as we saw with Charlotte, um, the team doesn't always convert their attacking chances, and they're growing into it. Uh, I don't want to, like, really put all my money in there if I were to bet. Um, I'd go, like, a 1-0 or a 2-0. I think it, we could see another one of those games where it's just, like, chance after chance after chance, and um, obviously I think Atlanta United will come out victorious but um yeah i'll go one zero with a lot of chances and a lot of frustration but ultimately three points um just one more thing before we move on last week i said joseph was going to get his first goal (laughs) and a a player off the bench was going to score the second Hmm. but i also said that it was going to be two zero so i was i was so close (laughs) close. i was so close on the atlanta side of things you got it yeah I guess that's all that counts, <laughs> in my mind, at least. But yeah. So to wrap up this episode, uh, we'll move into a little bit of fantasy talk real quick. Um, yeah, last week was still pretty solid for me. Um, just above the 200. I'm in 214 overall at the moment uh, in the DSS League 12th. Um, can I see my scores last week? Yes, I can. Uh, Lucas Zellerion, if you don't have him in your team, what are you doing? Like, just eternal, like, he should be the first player every week on anyone's team. 
probably with the captain's armband too, because his score, his numbers, his performances have just been just consistently godly for Columbus. Um, I had Joseph in there too. He got a goal. Um, I had Brooks Lennon on the bench trying to do a little switcheroo. Uh, six points is solid, but um, I had Junior Urso from Orlando. He's the one that came off the bench for me with the most points with nine. Uh, and I also had Brad Guzan in there banking on that clean sheet that did not happen. But he still turned out a solid performance. So overall, um, yeah, an 89-point week. Pretty good. Um, yeah, Kyle, did your fantasy team uh, pan out very well? Um, no, it didn't. <laughs> it did not. I mean, I had Lucas Villarreal in there, Chicharito. I mean, that was 29 yeah. points right there. But I had Gutman in there also. He only got two points. Yeah, I feel like for his, I feel like his on the field performances do not reflect well in the fantasy scoring system. Yeah, I don't know. Also, I also had Gressel in there. I I tend to have Gressel in there as a defender because like he tends to get like assists and yeah. can also get a goal every now and then too. So I feel, but that hasn't really paid off for me this season. But for this week, mm-hmm. um, I have Carlos Hill in there as my captain. Nice. Lucas Elarion also, Hani Mukhtar, just all the all the insane players, you know, that's <laughs> just how it works. Chicharito up front. So mm. hopefully someone can help me out this week. I'm still trying to climb the standings. Yeah. But so I'm banking on um LAFC this week uh, against Vancouver at home. I got Carlos Vela in there. I gave him the captain's armband, which is a kind of a gamble because I really want to give it to Zellerion or Carl's heel because they're playing Charlotte. I mean. But and they did come off the Champions League game this weekend, so maybe he's a little tired. Um, and I also have Brooks Lennon. I feel like he's kind of a almost a must-have player on your defense because he starts at right wing, mm-hmm. and he's a defender. And defenders get uh, more points for goals and the ability to earn clean sheets that forwards don't have. So I feel like Lennon, um, if he puts in like a decent performance on the right wing, it reflects really well in his defensive positioning. And he can really rack up the points there. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to um, for my week. And hopefully I can keep climbing. And finally, a shout-out of the week. Um, this one was just kind of funny to me. Uh, after the match on Sunday, we all went down uh, standing on the way to the press room. They have it kind of barricaded as the players go into the locker room. And there was a guy... Uh, as we were standing there, just asking the uh, people gathered to go in the press room, uh, if we could ask, if anyone could just ask Jake Mulraney about his Irishness and how that factored into like the luck he had scoring, um, and then Joe did ask that question <laughs> right when he walked in and kind of took Mulraney by surprise. He was kind of like, "What? <laughs> like, what do these Americans think?" Yeah, and. When he first, I'm, I, I said this before, I'm going to say it again, though. Like, when he first started talking, I was like, wait, what? I had no idea what he was saying. Like, his accent was super thick. But then I I was like, okay, now I can understand him. And yeah, he had a great quote about um, uh, someone, one of the Spanish media asked him a question about, um, like, his relationship with, like, the his Latin American teammates. And uh, he's, he put it, like, they don't speak English very well, and people think I don't speak English very well. So... We can really bond over that, and I think that's beautiful. Culture's really um, combining there in a way you might not think. <laughs> yeah, and the, the club actually put out a video with Kevin Egan and Jake Mulraney, and they were basically just talking about, like, certain sayings that, like, people think Irish people say, but they really don't, and <laughs> it, it was pretty cool. 
So thanks, y'all, for tuning in. Uh, this weekend's game at Mercedes-Benz kicks off at 4 o'clock on Bally Sports South. You can tune in there or on the radio. I know Bally Sports can hopefully redeem themselves after their last uh, their last performance with a little, little bit of technical difficulties there. But hopefully we get a better broadcast there. Or you can avoid that by being at the stadium uh, if you're lucky enough to uh, take it in. Hopefully another exciting match. Um yeah, you can keep up with all the coverage at Dirty South Soccer. Um, I'll be on Twitter. Um, Duty, Kyle will be at the game as well. Um, we'll have content for you. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. And we'll be back next week to recap that and preview. Actually, no, we won't because it's a bye week. It is a bye week. It yep. is a bye week. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to going to the break on a high in that regard. So yeah, thanks again, y'all for tuning in and we will catch y'all in the next one.